Ooh. Oh. Turn the knife, Ben. Yeah, that's, oh, that's a different podcast. That's a different <laughs> podcast. Yeah. We're going to break now so we can brawl. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Beck Bodie No Bonds podcast. I'm here with Jim Bodie, co-founder of the company. Instagram handle is jbodie71. Very good. <laughs> Been practicing. Been practicing. I was ready for that. I was ready. Matt Marizio. Yep. Um, at Matt Marizio. Yep. Very easy. Uh, ben Beck uh, at bbeck. 3333. Also, obviously, you should probably mention the at Beck Bodie Instagram handle. Um, find these podcasts on um, basically anywhere you can find podcasts, except iTunes right now, but we're working on that. Uh, and then uh, today we have special guests. Uh, Andy Robertson is with us today. Andy is. Um, Andy, uh, you have an Instagram handle? I do not. Okay. No, I'm, I'm going to have to work on that. Working yeah. on that. Yeah. I'm thinking about that right now. <laughs> yeah. Get That's on a catchy there. name. If you can post more than three times, you're beating Jim. Yeah. That's great. That's <laughs> I could probably do that today. Yeah. <laughs> right. So Andy's a, Andy's a specialist in the area of Social Security um, and is a, a great asset for our firm, Beck Bodie. A uh, couple interesting tips about the panel today. So number one, everybody sitting here is a graduate of Northeast University, Boston. Mm-hmm. Go dogs. Number two, we have two football alumni and two baseball alumni. Mm-hmm. Can you guess who is who? Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. That's a good one. Should is we, it that obvious? Should we stand up? I'm going to give my other profile. Yeah. <laughs> Beck Bodie, quick tip or quick question. Which program is still alive? Ooh. Oh. Mm. Turn the knife, Ben. Yeah, that's, oh, that's a different podcast. That's a different yeah. podcast. Yeah. We're going to break now so we can brawl. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back. Uh, nope, we're so, going to stay in this podcast. Yeah, let's stay in this podcast for a little while. But today we, we wanted to uh, bring all of us together, especially with Andy here and um, his uh, expertise and wisdom. You want to give one more tip or one more piece of insight? Oh, go ahead. How oh. many children do we have collectively oh, among these uh, four dads? Calculator, please. <laughs> yeah. Right. Three. Five. Four. Six. Eighteen. Whoa, that was wow. quick math. Yeah. Are you Correct. in finance? Um, <laughs> eighteen. Eighteen people. Eighteen little versions of ourselves. Eighteen. Eighteen and under. Is that right? Your oldest uh, is eighteen. Yeah. Awesome. So, so needless to say, we're all working. Really yeah. hard. Very, Come on down. Hard. Come on That's down. right. We're here for you anytime, <laughs> day or night. Share this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 18. That's a lot. Um, yeah. Anyway. So, any of that, uh, we wanted to get together, bring Andy aboard for today's conversation about, you've guessed it, Social Security. So, within our work as financial advisors, planners, investors, we meet with clients and prospective clients and contacts. Um, every day where questions in some way, shape, shape or form, of course, come up about retirement, but uh, we, we certainly get specific questions about Social Security, Medicare, um, um, you know, when people start to reach that age of retirement, um, that's when the wheels start turning about, hey, what is, what is this, this benefit that I'm getting from the government really mean? 
Um, um, and um, thankfully, with the internet and um, the flow of information, there's a lot. There's a lot more resources. I'm sure Andy will will get into today uh, out there um, for consumers for folks. Um, um, but uh, aside from that, it can be complex sometimes to you know, especially since so, so there are some, in my opinion, some subjective. Um, um, things, issues with respect to Social Security that uh, maybe we'll talk about a little bit today and, and bring to light, and especially with a specialist, especially with a specialist. Mm -hmm. That's actually times special. fast. Um, it's very special to have Andy here today to kind of <laughs> shed his um, experience and expertise on the topic. So, I got a, a great question to start with. Sure. Bring it on. Is it as confusing as it seems? It is. Why? Well, uh, <laughs> if, if you talk to the people that work at the Social Security Administration, they tell you that Social Security has about 65,000 reasons to keep it as complex <laughs> as possible. Those are the uh, 65,000 employees of the Social Security Administration. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's probably like the tax code as things have changed over the years. You know, it's become more complex um, because it's being added to uh, rather than rebuilt. You know, yeah. so it's maybe like building a house and putting an addition on a house, you know, you kind of have to work around what's already there, but it is complex. I mean, to give you guys some perspective, 2,728 filing rules alone. Mm -hmm. uh, a married couple has more than 500 possible filing combinations to consider. So most people really only consider one or two, mm -hmm. you know, they don't get any advice. Social Security stopped giving advice as, a, as an administration about 15 years ago because retirement's become more complex. You know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, people really had two parts. They had a pension and they had Social Security today. Yep. As you guys know, I mean, right. there's just so many moving parts. So they made a decision as an organization to forbid their folks from giving advice for obvious reasons they're not qualified. Mm -hmm. um, so many people don't get any advice at all. They make what seems to be an obvious decision and typically it's maybe not the right decision or the optimal decision for them. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's one of the reasons we really ventured into this is we mm -hmm. saw an opportunity to really help people get more value, economic value out of Social Security. Uh, yeah. A lot was being left on the table and missed. And of course, you know, the less that we can, the less stress we can place on Social Security selfishly, the more we place on the capital that you guys are managing for them. Mm -hmm. And the higher probability people have running out of money, so it's a real mm -hmm. missed opportunity if we're not if we're not looking at the role it can play in, in mm -hmm. taking on some of that responsibility. Yeah, no, that's great. And maybe before we get too deep into it, um, because our podcast is reaching, or probably better said, has the potential to reach a lot of a lot of people. Um, quick. Uh, Quick segue into follow us at Beck Bodie <laughs> on right. Instagram and other other uh, our other handles. Um, but um, to that point, we have a lot of consumers, you know, clients, contacts. But also there are there are financial professionals that 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 um, tune into our podcast. So can you tell a little bit more about specifically, you know, your company, what you do, and kind of the services that you provide? Yeah. So our primary business is we're an educational company for financial advisors. As you guys know, most of the mm -hmm. folks here have been through our course, but because of Social Security's complexity and the fact that financial advisors don't really have a single place that they could go to for support mm -hmm. with, this, with those more kind of challenging situations, mm -hmm. uh, my wife and I started the Corporation for Social Security Claiming Strategies, which ultimately is a class that you can go to. It's an online, on-demand course that you can take at your leisure. It's 200 plus pages, 14 chapters on strictly the Social Security retirement system. 
So what we do is we, you know, quite frankly, we make financial advisors better at serving their clients. Mm-hmm. That's that's our goal. And I think we've done that very successfully. We've got hundreds and hundreds of advisors around the country who've matriculated through our course. And we've also developed a software platform that a lot of advisors are now using to really understand the implications that different social security filing strategies have on a plan's capital requirements. So obviously, if we're talking about social security, we're talking about retirement. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking about retirement, we wanna understand not only uh, what my options are, but how those options impact the single biggest concern people have, mm-hmm. which is running out of money. You know, so, right. so our goal was, to, was mm-hmm. to try and determine whether or not social security could play a role in driving that number down. And, mm-hmm. and ultimately, um, you know, through a quantifiable process that we developed mm-hmm. and, and built on a, on a web-based platform, pe- people can now do that. Financial advisors can do that for their clients. So that's, that's our core business, really, is, is helping right. financial advisors bring more value to their clients. So on that same topic, then, mm-hmm. let's jump in with, like, a question that we always get with every client that mm-hmm. is uh, emerging retirement age. Maybe they've retired already, maybe haven't reached the age of, of Social Security yet, but um, one of the one of the questions we get a lot is is, is that um, you know you, we paid into Social Security for so long, shouldn't I take my benefits as soon as possible? Or or just the, the more broader question is, when should I take them? Yeah, and it's you know there's no easy answer. It, the answer is it depends on a lot of factors, as you guys know. Um, the issue I find is that there's really two types of folks. Mm-hmm. There's folks that are in a bad spot and they need income, maybe they've been displaced and they don't have another source of income. That's a different situation. Mm-hmm. There's also people that aren't necessarily looking to retire, but they have the opinion that you're talking about, which is I want to take benefits as early as possible. Maybe Social Security won't be there. I paid in. It's my money. Well, a couple of things. Number one, if you continue working and having and you have earned income prior to full retirement age, mm-hmm. you're effectively going to forfeit all your benefits. Okay. Certainly mm-hmm. people who are part-time workers, maybe not the case, but for full-time workers who are in a decent living, it's it's fair to say that they're not even going to receive a check because under the earnings test, which which is in place until you reach full retirement age, you have to forfeit a dollar in benefits for every $2 mm-hmm. in earned income you have over the over the threshold. So, mm-hmm. so it, it's kind of one of those things where it sounds good in theory. I'll take my benefits early, you know, because I'll save them, I'll grow them, I'll invest them, mm-hmm. and I won't wait. And then if Social Security isn't here... Or, or, you know, something changes, I'll have my money. So I'll kind of hedge my bet. Mm-hmm. I'll get my money early. I'll grow it. I'll save it. And then if, if I had waited and I'm still here, I would have got a higher payout from Social Security. But but now I have my money, so I'll just increase my income above what I'm getting from Social Security when I took early through this kind of extra pile of cash would have accumulated if I took benefits early. Which, again, that sounds good in theory, but if you're not getting your hands on the money, it's going to be mm-hmm. tough for you to build a secondary pile of cash mm-hmm. to right. compete with the, the guaranteed increases Social Security's talking about. And so that's probably, the, in my estimation, one of the single biggest mistakes that people make mm-hmm. is they think that they can take the money now, grow it, save it, invest it. But if you suffer from the earnings test, it's a forfeiture. You don't get any money. Mm-hmm. So they withhold checks until you meet the forfeiture requirement. And again, for the people that, that you're talking to, the clients that you work with, I'm going to guess they're going to forfeit the whole thing. So it really wouldn't mm-hmm. serve any purpose. There is a misnomer out there that when I turn 66 or 67, I hit FRA, I'm going to get all that back in a lump sum check. Right. Sounds good. Again, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You get a credit. You get what's called a, an adjustment to the reduction factor, which is automatic at full retirement age. But it's not a lump mm-hmm. sum repayment of everything that was withheld. They just credit you back the months that you didn't get checks mm-hmm. in what they call your monthly benefit rate. So you just get a bump. You don't mm-hmm. get a check. So um, 
you know, the, the, the long answer is it depends. It depends on a whole host of things. Taking early typically doesn't work out for the people that we work with. Um, and waiting is really valuable. You know, if I don't take benefits at 62 and I wait till 70, they're guaranteed to get 76% more at 70. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty significant increase. Mm-hmm. And that number could be larger because whether you're taking benefits or not, once you reach the age of entitlement, 62, any cost of living adjustments that are declared or applied to your primary insurance amount, which is your benefit for retirement age. And then the delayed retirement credits are, are actually stacked on top of that. So, you know, we've seen instances where the increase wasn't 76, that was the minimum. The increase was in excess of 120%. Mm-hmm. So when you start looking at Social Security that way, mm-hmm. and the fact that it can turn on an income mm-hmm. at 70 that's 120% larger than it would have been at 62, mm-hmm. think about how much capital you'd have to accumulate to compete with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the value. People look at break even. Break even, there's no place, in my opinion, in retirement income planning for break even. Mm-hmm. Your job isn't to make sure your clients break even. Your job is to make sure they never go broke. Right. <laughs> I can tell you right. that I can tell you that there's been a lot of people who took benefits early because they wanted to make sure they didn't want to wait because they were worried about break even who lived beyond 78 and they had wished they had waited, but it's too late. So mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a lot of misinformation. I think people yeah. make uninformed decisions. Uh, based upon a very short-sighted analysis, and you guys can yeah. help them with that. Yeah. And yeah. Is there is there a time when clients should start planning for Social Security? Like generally, what we have seen in our conversations is they start thinking about it as they're about to retire. When is the optimal time to start having those conversations about Social Security? Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of like everything, and, and you guys live through this. You know, people tend to show up on your doorstep when they're ready to retire, and they have a bunch of stuff. You know, you've got to figure out how to piece it all together and make it work. Mm-hmm. I think we would all agree, you know, if we could talk to them sometime before we target as a as a group, we try and get our message out for you guys to people who are 60. Mm-hmm. So 65 to six, seven years before full retirement age, but certainly before 62. Mm-hmm. So you can save mm-hmm. them from potentially making a bad decision. I'm not saying 62 is a bad decision. It depends. Um, but they may feel like it was a bad decision after the fact, and we can't help them. You know, if somebody makes a decision at 62 and meets you at 66, there may not be much you can do for them at that point, mm. you know? Yeah. So I would say 60 is a is a good number to start having that conversation. Mm-hmm. And get, letting them understand the broader implications that a Social Security filing strategy can have on a plan's, you know, what I'll call a plan's success. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can make a plan more fortified because Social Security is doing more of the lifting over time, Mm-hmm. That's a win for your clients. Sure. You know, that gives them more money for you to manage and grow for things that they really want to do. You know, if we can take care of that kind of fixed income need, mm-hmm. let you guys grow the money for discretionary needs and legacy and things like that, and we can do that more effectively because Social Security is doing more of the lifting. Mm-hmm. That's a win. I mean, if you think mm-hmm. about it, you know, if I get 120% more at 70 and it's automatically cost of living adjusted, think about how much less stress there is on the portfolio that you're managing. Right. 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 I'll ask you guys a question. When it comes to managing money, would you rather manage money for growth or for income? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I'm venturing to guess that managing money for growth is a lot more fun. Well, <laughs> at least right now. Well, I mean, you know, one of the one of the big factors that is, I think, maybe not ignored but not necessarily realized, and we talk about it every day, is that uh, risk doesn't shut off at 65 right. or 62. You're going to live by average uh, now at least another what 20, 25 years, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, uh, uh, while 
when we look at the portfolios that are put in front of us uh, from other financial advisors, and, and um, there's a heavy, heavy allocation towards fixed income and bonds for folks that are in their uh, in their early 60s, um, uh, we look at that and say, you know, whether you're retiring now or not, whether you can or cannot, you still need a, uh, a very a reasonable amount of your portfolio is still allocated towards growth Absolutely. because you're not investing for the next three years still, even though you may be close to retiring or already in retirement, it's going to be for a long time. And that huge risk, which you've already brought up is longevity. Yeah. That, that's Correct. that, that for, and it doesn't, you know, we, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of folks that we talk to um, and uh, of differing uh, uh, net worth um, and, there's usually a pretty good correlation between, um, you know, how much income they have or, or, or how much ass they have and their lifestyle mm -hmm. expenses, right? So to say that somebody that has $5 million doesn't have to worry about longevity versus somebody that has a half a million dollars or retirement or a million dollars is not necessarily true because the lifestyle needs of uh, somebody with $5 million are just that. You know, there, there is a correlation between that. So longevity is a issue uh, that's not necessarily um, um, for folks that, you know, aren't in the 1%, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Um, I agree. I, I would add to that, you know, Social Security, I think your point is that Social Security is a, a tremendous longevity combatant, you know. So, absolutely. So when we look at all the risks we're trying to manage every day, market volatility, inflation, taxes, mm -hmm. all these other things. Longevity is just a risk multiplier. Mm -hmm. So the longer you live, every one of those things becomes exponentially more of a threat mm -hmm. to the assets that you're managing. So if we can shift a, a, a fair portion of the of the income uh, requirement onto this third party payer, Social Security, and mm -hmm. off the capital, mm -hmm. then we're alleviating all that mm -hmm. risk and the risk multiplier, the longevity. Yeah. And I would also think it's important to recognize that. According to the American Society of Actuaries, uh, a wife outlives their their husband mm -hmm. by a, on average fourteen years. So, mm -hmm. so the real person that gets left uh, kind of in a bad situation if we don't manage longevity properly mm -hmm. is is the surviving spouse. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, certainly, if, if the first question that we get is centered on the the um, the most frequent question we get first is centered on when should I take my benefits. The very, very close second is, um, is Social Security going to be there? Yeah. Yeah, you know, that comes up a lot. Right. And um, my, it's just my opinion, but my mm -hmm. opinion about Social Security is it's a political football right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it gets kicked around by both sides. You know, it's kind of one of these leverage points they can use to, to get votes, you know, threaten to change it. Here's kind of how I see it. You guys can tell me what you think. But, you know, in 2008, we learned certain financial institutions were so important to our to our financial system that they were too big to fail. Mm -hmm. think, about, think about an income source that's the primary income source for 76 million people. Mm -hmm. So, if, you know, if the, if the fear is that Social Security is not going to be here tomorrow, mm -hmm. think about the implications of taking 50% of the purchasing power the table for 76 million people mm -hmm. what kind of an impact would that have on gdp i mean mm -hmm. it would be catastrophic it's right it's not even an option so mm -hmm. so i think again it's a political football um social security is backed by a government promise there are some simple fixes in my opinion that could be undertaken 
to change it. They're not as aggressive as some of the things we've heard. Most of those things um, get shot down. The other thing I would say is, you know, this generation, while that may be a fear um, and lead them to make, in my opinion, un, uh, I should say, poor decisions, mm -hmm. you know, suboptimal decisions. Think about it this way. How many of them can have a meaningful conversation about retirement if we assume Social Security won't be there? Right. I mean, again, it's just not its not an option, not for this generation. It may change for us, mm -hmm. but I think for this generation, it's, it's just not its not an option. So mm -hmm. um, my the other thing I would add is you'll hear many things. One of the things you'll hear is that uh, it's going to be insolvent. Well, there's never been a credible source that's said it's going to be insolvent. No. What's been said is that if they do nothing, Sometime mm -hmm. around 2034, whoever's receiving a check is going to get a pay cut. Mm -hmm. Well, think about it this way. If I take benefits at 62 and my full retirement age is 66, I incur a 25% reduction for life for mm -hmm. taking benefits early. If I wait and don't take benefits at 62 and wait all the way till 70, I get a 76% increase. So if the logic you're, you're, you're applying is, you know, I'm, I'm worried about a pay cut. Would you rather keep 74% of a check that's 25% smaller or 74% of a check that's 76% larger? Mm -hmm. I think if anything, if we can get people to think about it clearly, that's another reason to wait, not another reason to take benefits early. Mm -hmm. if, if the reality was in 2034, Social Security is going to be insolvent, they weren't going to be able to pay, and it was going to be something where it would no longer be there, mm -hmm. that would be a different discussion. But I think like many things... You know, Social Security is not only a political football, it's great clickbait. You know, there's a right. lot of misinformation out there about what's really happening. And mm -hmm. It's just not, the, the simple answer is it's not viable for us as an economy to eliminate Social Security. And we can't build meaningful or have meaningful retirement planning discussions if mm -hmm. we assume it's not there. Right. We, we can just say, we'll just keep working then, right? Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you can't afford to give up 50% of, of your income mm -hmm. because you think it's not going to be there. So, right. You know, that's, that, that's kind of where we go with that conversation on a regular basis. It comes up a lot, as you guys know, when we've done client events, it comes up as well. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely a concern, but I think people, once they apply some logic to it, they feel better. I'm putting myself in, in uh, listener shoes, in some client shoes. And if I have your ear, I want to, I want to say, uh, my question is, you know, I'm, I think I'm probably pretty good with the amount I've saved up right now. I'm close to my retirement age. I think I'm going to be fine. But at the same time, I've put a bunch of money into Social Security, and I don't like how much Uncle Sam takes from me. I want to get that money back. Mm -hmm. How do I make sure I maximize what I need in that retirement stage or what I can get back from the government in that retirement stage? Because I feel like it's my money. I, I, I should get it back. I think, you know, what you have to do is really – really look at the bigger picture. You know, what, what's my income goal? What do I have for assets? You know, what am I using to stress test the plan I'm about to employ? Do I have enough assets? What's the process you go out using to make that determination on the front end? And what role could Social Security play? I think if you look at Social Security in a vacuum, which is kind of what you're describing, you know, yeah. you just look at Social Security all by itself, right. then you're always going to lend, or you're always going to find yourself wanting to take benefits early because it may not be there, because... I don't know how I'm going to live because I want a Social Security maximization. You have to throw away the concept of Social Security maximization and think about Social Security optimization. Because cool. if you look at Social Security in a vacuum, you fail to account for its value that it provides long term for combating longevity, inflation, and taxes. Here, here's one simple example. So 
the media has done a great job minimizing the value Social Security provides in combating inflation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You guys would agree to that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the index, it's, it's tied to the CPIW. Um, the media will say, well, you know, it's just one of the lower CPI indices. It stinks. It could be better. Blah, blah, blah. Well, the vast majority of clients, quite frankly, don't even have a defined benefit plan anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never mind a defined benefit plan that provides an automatic cost of living adjustment. Social Security, since 1975, the uh, cost of living adjustment's been 3.73%. Show me another pension right. product that's provided that kind of increase. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'd be shocked to find it. Most, most state pensions, <laughs> civil pensions, the only pension I know that provides cost of living adjustment of any meaning today is the federal pension. Mm-hmm. Not, not to mention, I think the other piece that's missing is Social Security is very tax favorable as a source of income in retirement. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think you have a forty, you have a fifty percent threshold and an eighty-five percent threshold, and it's some somehow some kind of retroactive tax. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's a progressive tax. Today, if you have two max Social Security earners and they retire, you could deliver them in excess of a hundred thousand dollars of income, income tax free, thanks to provisional income. So think about the power of that. Mm-hmm. You know, do you think taxes are going up over the next thirty years? Mm-hmm. If they don't. You think Social Security won't be here mm. if we don't do something with our with our income as a, right. as a country? So we had a tax a cut here recently. The, the debt's gone from what nineteen trillion to twenty one trillion. Mm-hmm. It's inevitable. I think over the next thirty years we're going to see a tax increase. And you know, in spite of the fact that the media talks about this lower tax bracket in retirement, I don't know about you guys. I've yet to find this tax bracket they're talking about. <laughs> you know, it doesn't exist. We're all subjected to the same tax brackets. I think provisional income is an incredibly powerful tool to help manage taxes. So mm-hmm. that's not accounted for in a in a kind of social security in a vacuum. But imagine if you just save somebody ten thousand dollars a year in federal income tax. Mm-hmm. How much more capital would they have to have on mm-hmm. hand just to mm-hmm. combat that? So those are the things that get overlooked mm-hmm. when you don't think about social security from an optimization perspective. Um, and by the way, that three point seven three, if I'm delivering it to you on an income tax-free basis because the Social Security benefit is so significant in the broader plan that you're not paying any income taxes at a 20% effective tax rate, that'd be the, you'd need a taxable equivalent increase, coal increase of 5%. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, this this crappy job that, that Social Security does doesn't start to look so poor anymore, does mm-hmm. it? You know, yeah. when, it's, when it's put in the appropriate context. So yeah. so it's a great, it's a there, there are three things that I think Social Security can help you combat. Longevity, inflation, and taxes. Those are the three critical things. Of course, it takes you know market volatility off the table because you're not taking income right. from a portfolio that's coming sure. from this third-party payer. So you could add that if you want as well. But I think ultimately, you know, if longevity if longevity is the risk multiplier, the critical risks it prevents from being multiplied are taxes and inflation. And I think they're both not going away. Right. We could see. I don't want to go. You guys know. Yeah. You see what's happening in the economy. I mean, we could, sure. we, could we could see some. Some real change in interest rates over the next thirty right. years yeah. as well. Absolutely, right. we've got time for one, one more question, and I don't know if you have one, but is there a? I hate using this best kept secret type of stuff, but is there something that you you through your travels, the majority of the public doesn't know about Social Security and should? Well, I think I'd go back to the tax piece. I, I, mm. I really would. I think it's overlooked. Mm-hmm. Provisional income is part of the IRS code. You know, there are, there, are, there are a handful of things that can be very tax efficient over time. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing that people talk about today are Roths, Roths IRAs, Roth 401ks. The issue with Roths for this generation is they came along too late. Mm-hmm. So most of the clients haven't accumulated enough wealth 
you know, Roth IRA or Roth 401k for distribute mm -hmm. enough tax-free income for it to have a material impact on the plan's taxability or tax efficiency. Um, you know, life insurance is something that, that high net worth people have used in the past, especially when the estate tax structure was different. Tax-free policy loans, mm -hmm. I don't see that as much anymore. Municipal bond income, while it's tax-free, it's countable in a provisional income, so it could actually make more of your Social Security income yeah, taxable, right, ironically. Sure. Um, so it, it doesn't leave us with a lot. Social Security is probably the best-kept tax planning secret. Um, and I find, with all due respect to our friends in the, in the tax universe, it's overlooked. It's overlooked, and it's a great value add for you. I mean, if we if we assume that a safe withdrawal rate is four percent, mm -hmm. and we save somebody ten thousand dollars a year in federal income tax, you know, how much do we have to have in capital to cover that ten thousand dollars? How much yeah. additional capital? You know, so so that's the economic value it provides. And I think, you know, for everybody in your world, that's the most important thing. You're going to want to be able to quantify the value you provide to your clients as we continue to see mm -hmm. technology's role and it's and it's you know, the compression of, of everything that, that you guys mm -hmm. face every day, value is incredibly important. And that's a value that really isn't accounted for in most softwares, um, not that I'm aware of at least, mm -hmm. and it's overlooked. But mm -hmm. I think you guys certainly are aware of it from, from our interactions and it's a great value to people when you, when you bring it to the table. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the point of these podcasts and quick tips is, is to really, uh, this was a great example of it today. I uh, appreciate you coming on for a few minutes here to talk. Here. I mean, the whole point of these podcasts and, and uh, quick tips are, are to help educate the uh, public about the, uh, some of the, the good things you can do to improve your financial situation. So Andy Robertson, I appreciate it. Um, again, uh, follow us on app Beck Bodie or Instagram or individual Instagram handles. Um, um, check us out on Spotify and, and anywhere else that you can uh, find podcasts and uh, until the next one.